A trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. By the way, for those who pay close attention in the intro to the show, yeah, that's a clip from Mystery Men. It's one of those movies where if uh, if I catch one of my kids watching it, I will stop what I'm doing and sit down and watch it with them. It's just that good of a movie. And yeah, William H. Macy as the shoveler. Talk about a superhero. <laughs> Nonetheless, I will use my gift today of shoveling information in your direction. What you do with that information, of course, is up to you. It's not like I have all the answers, and I won't pretend that I do. But uh, I definitely have a take on what's happening and hopefully can give you some insights into to what's taking place as well as uh, some encouragement that uh, desperate as things may seem, it's not all lost. This is It's a phase we're going through, a cycle, if you will. And it's, it's something that we have been through before as a nation, as a society. There have been uh, other challenges, other crises that uh, we have weathered. I think we're going to weather this one too. But I say that with the understanding that this is likely to be a bit more painful than some of the previous ones. The stakes are a little bit higher. The, um, the, the breakdown, the civic decay, the financial difficulties, a bit steeper this time around. And I don't want to sound like, oh boy, here we go, gloom and doom. What I'm saying is I believe we are, we're in the process <clears throat> of being tested. Most likely, like very few of us have ever been tested before, in our lives. And I get that that's daunting. I want you to know I really prefer when things are comfortable. I love, you know, having a life of leisure and, you know, having uh, having things available when I want them and basically comfort, you know, oh, yes, I want everything to just go swimmingly for there to be peace and happiness. That's that's not the time that we live in. And it's one of those things where you can you can try to deny it, you can try and ignore it. Well, you know, I'll just... I'll just think happy thoughts, and we should look for the positive. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think it's possible at this point to pretend our way out of the troubles. I love the, I love the, the point of view that uh, Guy Finnicum, that's Lavoie Finnicum's brother, he offered this uh, just a couple of weeks after Lavoie was killed back in 2016. And it seemed to me very sound advice then. I think it's even more true today. He said, We should be aware of what's going on, but he says, really, our awareness should be about 5% of of our total awareness with the other 95% of what we're doing focused on basically becoming the best version of ourselves that we can, fulfilling a personal mission that's ours to fulfill. And I really think there's, there's a lot more happiness to be found in doing that than there is in just simply, well, I better turn on the news and see what uh, what the latest dread supplement is. Now, having said this, I am going to share a commentary with you from uh, James Howard Kunstler a little bit later on in the show, actually saving it towards the end of the, of the program, that will give you a full-strength analysis of our current situation. I'm not doing this because uh, I'm, I'm a masochist, and boy, I love that bad news. Oh, give it to me straight. It put it right directly into my veins. It's... I, I like to know that someone else is seeing and, and, and quantifying 
what I believe I'm seeing. And I think James Howard Kunstler does a really exceptional job. Now, I want to share something with you right now that I, I think is, I believe this is actually kind of a positive thing, although I, I would understand if people would say, well, I don't know, that, that sounds like it's more uh, more negativity or more contention, but there were there were school officials in panic mode right now over kids, the kids at school revolting against Pride Day. And, and I'm not sure where this is taking place. I believe this is back on the eastern seaboard, but uh, oh my word. Listen to what these school officials are saying. Displays of intolerance and homophobia are unacceptable. This type of intolerant rhetoric starts in the home. Parents angry at town hall over intolerance at Marshall Simons Middle School. Kids were asked to wear rainbow clothes in honor of Pride Spirit Day, but some organized a counter protest wearing red, white, and blue or black. The principal sharing a statement to families that Pride posters were ripped down, stickers ripped up, some students chanted USA are my pronouns, and students showing Pride were intimidated. It was an unruly disruption, in fact, that was organized ahead of time. While some parents were upset, others say it was overblown. Some of the kids threw the stickers on the ground, but you know, I can only speak for my daughter. She just, she didn't want to wear that to school. It's not that she wanted to hurt anybody's feelings. She says her daughter felt coerced to participate in the Pride event and was offended by some of the messages, like this quote from Tennessee Williams. Human heart cannot be straight. It is curves and winds. And my daughter just kind of said, you know, mom, that's, that's offensive to, to me, who I am straight. Wow. I believe it's Burlington, Vermont, where where this took place. And, uh, you know, the fact that these kids recognize that something is being forced on them and are pushing back against it, I know. Well, now, Brian, we can't have that. This would be a disorder and so forth. But I I think that if you have raised your kids right, they will understand that there is a time and there's a place where pushing back is the right thing to do. We're doing the exact opposite of everybody else is the correct thing to do. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And, you know, as you could hear, that, well, we just don't want these displays of intolerance. Intolerance! Ugh! But I have to ask you, consider the, who is really showing the intolerance? I think it's the school administrators. I think it's the ones who are, are so... Uh, well, showing such umbrage that these kids would would uh, w- would resist or reject the blessings of inclusivity that are being forced upon them. Honestly, I believe for for many parents, I mean, it's easy for me to say, but the best solution is going to have to be pull your kids out of the school district, get them out of those public schools, and it's it's a huge sacrifice, I'm sure, for many families. But if this is the kind of stuff that's being forced on your kids, it's time to vote with your feet. And trust me, they will get the message. They'll get it belatedly. The school administrators will say, hey, where, where did our students go? But see, they, I think they understand very few parents actually have the level of commitment to where they would stand up and, and, and put their foot down and say, I, I won't allow my child to be subjected to this. But in the absence of that, the next best thing is to have kids who are willing to, to push back. You know, I, I, we, are, we are being trained to only think and speak and believe certain things that are all that are acceptable. And it, it is so against the, the very concept of free speech or freedom of conscience. 
And people, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who was warning years ago, hey, this stuff is trying to find its way into the schools. And this is about recruitment. This is not about, oh, let's just teach everybody to get along and love each other. This is full on recruitment. And it's just intensified. So those who said, well, you're exaggerating, you're, you're claiming the slippery slope fallacy, I will accept your apology. Go ahead. <laughs> you, you may apologize now. No, I, I'm less concerned with, 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 you know, who's right. I'm more concerned with what is right. And indoctrinating kids into sexual situations or into gender confusion or into leftist ideology that's intended to separate them from everything that came before because it was evil and superstitious and, you know, believed in God, whatever that is, you know. I think that to, at some point, if, if you want your kids to grow up, and I'm going to use the word normal, decent people, you got to teach them and encourage them that they've got to stand up for themselves. You know, if, if, if school officials are threatening your kid because they won't put on the ribbon, so to speak, borrowing a phrase from Seinfeld, would you get after your kid for being disruptive? Well, how dare you, you know, not do what somebody in authority told you? Or would you tell your kid, if, if it's that bad, call me. I'll come get you from school. Because I think that's what a good parent would do. Now, look, I can be wrong. You could you feel free to disagree with me if that's the case. But I would be more proud of my kids for standing up in matters of conscience than I would be if, the, oh, well, good, I'm glad you went along and didn't make any waves. And, that you know, you waved the flag just like they told you to. And, you know, you won the approval of your teacher or, you know, whoever the facilitator is. By the way, that's, that's pure on, you know, Marxist crowd manipulation stuff. When the facilitator comes in and starts working people over, there's a predetermined consensus that they're trying to build. And, and communist uh, crowd manipulation techniques... First thing they try to do, they try to find who are the dissenters, who are the ones who aren't going to play nicely, who are the ones who may resist, you know, the the party line that they're supposed to believe. They find those people, they isolate those people, and then use the peer pressure of everybody else in the crowd to try to get them to knuckle under. Okay, all right, fine, I'll chant here, give me the flag, give me the sticker, I'll put it on. You know, I'm not suggesting that, uh, boy, go out there and confront, confront, confront. There's enough anger in the world, enough confrontation. We don't really need a lot more. But I'm glad there are people willing to stand up and hopefully withdraw if necessary. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Welcome back to the show. Just want to mention my sponsors here briefly. ClimbingUpward.com, TMCPNation.com, Borelli.com, LifesavingFood.com, and MonticelloCollege.org. I got a link in the show notes. You can find them at TheBrianHydeShow.com. Let's talk about free speech here. The, the Brownstone Institute has become one of my favorite go-to sources for just good solid, thoughtful information. Now, this doesn't mean that, uh, yes, they walk on water and perform miracles because everybody who writes for them is just that smart and that, that uh, you know, noble and pure in their intentions. They're, but they're very good. Their information has proven to be far more factual and on target 
than a lot of the official narrative sources that we're supposed to believe. This has been particularly true as it came to information about COVID, vaccines, and so forth. So Bill Rice, in a commentary about what I can say and what I cannot say, says, in one of my reader comments, a reader made reference to someone granting him permission to say X, and the poster snarkily or sarcastically thanked the previous poster for allowing him to say what he wanted. Voila! Bill says, permission is the word I've been searching for. Regarding our society's debate on what speech should be permitted and what speech should be banned and what speaker should be sanctioned and punished, permission is the word that explains everything. But he says, from 2020 through 2023, some speech is still permitted by our government and its many sycophant cronies, but alas, libraries worth of speech are now no longer permitted. If speech is labeled misinformation or disinformation, this can be harmful speech that might hypothetically kill people or at least traumatize them for life. So such speech can no longer be permitted. Speech that's permitted by government and social media companies is speech that Big Brother approves and allows. And at the top of the permitted category is any speech that supports or agrees with the statements of public health experts regarding COVID. Bill Rice says, right here, we see the power of government as government and government alone gets to decide who, in fact, is the experts. The government bureaucrats are the lone experts. People who disagree with them are not. So not only can you say that COVID vaccines are safe and effective if you agree with the experts and happen to own a media or social media company, you will actually be rewarded with lucrative contracts such as big advertising advertising spends for promoting the vaccines. In other words, you'll also be permitted to stay in business. You'll probably get to enjoy all the other benefits that come from supporting the activities of the world's biggest bully. One of these benefits is you won't get your proverbial butt kicked as long as you stay in line. Now, Bill Rice says it's not just the big guys. It's not just the big companies and players who are rewarded for speaking only permitted speech. Just about everyone who goes along with the current thing receives benefits. The main benefit is that these people get to keep their jobs and social standing. They're allowed to move or keep moving up the organizational pyramid. Such people won't get kicked out of the herd, the pack, or club. Another benefit is they get to feel morally superior to the apostates and heretics who, for inexplicable reasons, have challenged the current thing. That is, herd members get to view themselves as more virtuous than thou. Out of all these psychological and sociological dynamics, one can see why the vast majority of the world population will always support the current thing. Among other perks, this means they will always be in the majority. And more so than ever in our new normal, the majority mob gets to rule. Paul Simon once wrote a catchy song where he sings he'd rather be a hammer than a nail. Bill Rice says, one day I'm going to write a follow-up. I'd rather be in the mob than be chased by the mob. Yes, I would. (laughs) Well, as it turns out, it's perfectly fine, even encouraged, to discriminate against a minority if that minority doesn't agree with authorized narratives as set forth by Anthony Fauci, Joe Biden, or the New York Times. That is, in the land of the free, where everyone wants equity for all, speech discrimination is perfectly legal and actually a virtuous goal, at least at the moment, pending a monumental judicial ruling in Missouri at all v. Biden. So what speech is not permitted? 
Well, he says, off the top of my head, the following statements are not permitted according to the government and many social media censors. That is, if you utter or write these things, you do so at your own peril. So, an important point in the for what it's worth category, while most of the following statements are now labeled by officials as dangerous misinformation or disinformation, all of these statements happen to be true. Though, to be clear, one is not permitted to say these things are true. So, here are the examples of non-permitted or non-authorized speech. We'll start with COVID first. The COVID vaccines are unsafe and not effective. Oh, did you hear that? That was somebody's alarm going off over at YouTube. Brian, we need to pull this content because you violated our community standards here by repeating that line. Okay. How about this one? The shots are not vaccines as they don't prevent infection or spread. Or COVID vaccines have already caused millions of deaths and serious adverse reactions worldwide. All-cause mortality has spiked dramatically around the world since vaccines were widely administered. Masks don't prevent virus spread and cause myriad negative health, psychological, and learning harms. Or natural immunity is superior to vaccine immunity. The pandemic of the unvaccinated mantra was a colossal lie. Healthy children and young adults have virtually zero mortality risk from COVID. How about this one? Most people who allegedly died from COVID actually died from some other causes. Or lockdowns killed far more people and created far more misery than these mitigation measures prevented or alleviated. Now, the list goes on and on and on. You don't need to stand six feet from shoppers in a grocery store. But you start to see the the point here. All of those statements are true. And yet, just this past week, there were a number of, uh, I believe, uh, college athletes who were invited, come to the White House. And yet, while at the White House, this is not the boob shakers. That was that was another, you know, invitation. But uh, while, while they were invited to come to the White House, there was a very clear separation. Those who are fully vaccinated may, may mingle freely and, you know, may, may do what they want to do without masks. If you were unvaccinated, you were expected to stay six feet from every other person at all times and to wear a mask at all times while they're at the White House. Now, I'm, I, look, I'm not trying to be edgy by, by asking this, but why in the hell would they do that? That's purely about control. You didn't do what was demanded of you. Therefore, we will, we will show you as a pariah. It's, I, I know that some people will take exception to, this equi- to, to making this uh, you know, equivalency, but that's the yellow star that they had to wear on their sleeve. Put the mask on. Stay six feet from all others. You are being singled out and, seg- and separated, segregated from everybody else because you are considered less than. You are considered unclean. And I only bring up that yellow star pinned to their sleeve because that's the same kind of dynamic at work. That's that's really how ugly it is. So here are a few non-COVID statements, also increasingly not permitted, subject to banning, deplatforming, or loss of one's job, income, or promotion prospects. Climate is always changing. And man's activities don't amount to a hill of beans and whether the oceans rise by an inch if we have two or three hurricanes that hit land and have thinned the population of the polar bears, which has never been higher. 
How about this? Gas-powered cars are fine. They're also bigger, which means they're safer and more comfortable on long trips. How about this one? Russia did not hack the presidential election of 2016 by either tapping into voting machines or writing some Facebook posts that nobody read. January January 6th of 2021 was not an insurrection. And all those people stuck in jail without bail for years should not be there. Joe Biden has worsening dementia. And the entire White House staff and 99% of the sycophant White House press corps have been covering this up for years. Let's see, uh, Jeffrey Epstein. This is true, by the way. Not a single person in his client book has been arrested. I got an article here that I'll link in the show notes. I hope you'll check it out for yourself. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Welcome back to the show. You may be asking yourself, as I often do, well, pretty much every morning when I drag myself out of bed at Dark 30. So why are you doing this? What's your motivation, Hyde? What's what's uh, motivating you to, to sit here and hold forth every day and to, to share the things that you share? And, uh, you know, I don't know that I have a pat answer for it, but because this matters, man, it does matter. But I also believe that uh, it's time to speak up and to, to do so without apology because I believe that, uh, that the republic that we inherited from those who came before us is in grave danger. In fact, I believe it's it's suffering a very real existential threat, and it's from within. It's It's not from Russia. It's not from China. It's being subverted and dismantled and and corrupted to the point that it's almost unrecognizable. Which which begs the question, okay, so what do we do about it? Do we preserve it? I think we should, or at least I think we should make that effort. You know, it's not fashionable to speak of the Republic, the American Republic, as if, well, that's something that deserves our effort and our our uh, commitment to preserve. And then when you consider what it would actually take to preserve it, well, that's when a lot of people are like, eh, you know, I got other things to do. What's on TV? I got an article here from Melvin Anderson. This was on, on uh, AmericanThinker.com. He asks, what were the founding fathers thinking before they drafted the Constitution? Now, that's an important question because that will tell us a lot about why did they give us the system that they gave us? We know that they were religious, moral men, educated in history and the classics, and that they were deep thinkers. These qualities resulted directly in a philosophy of government that's explained in the Federalist Papers, and I would add also the Anti-Federalist Papers. In the basics of their philosophy, they believed men had a natural right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, as is written in the second paragraph of the Declaration of Independence. And further, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. They believed these lofty values and objectives originated with birth for all men. That seems reasonable, that all men want the freedom to enjoy life and a happy existence. To preserve these rights, the group posited that a government was necessary 
because human nature is a constant throughout history, with higher values and lower values. Now, we intuitively know the higher values are morality, integrity, ethics, and decency. Alexander Hamilton argued in Federalist Paper 6 for a strong federal government since men are ambitious, vindictive, and rapacious, which are the low part of human nature. Now, these are conflicting qualities of human nature, but they are constant. So the founders were familiar with various forms of government throughout history, from tyranny to direct democracy. What form of government would preserve these natural rights? A government should be consented to by the people who want to preserve those values. How could that be accomplished and safely embrace all men in a country populated with people with higher and lower values? In other words, consent alone in a direct democracy doesn't guarantee the rights of all men, especially the less powerful who may be the wiser segments of society. They opined that direct democracy had proven dangerous to these principles since elected legislatures with brief terms could change laws based on the passions of the moment. New laws could be unjust and adverse to smaller segments of society who did not win the majority, but who might have a rational view that would be, would be just and preserve stability and freedom. Direct democracies could establish tyrannies of the legislature controlled by the consent of a depraved majority. For example, the populace in its self-interest could vote to erase its debt to the detriment of creditors, print money with no value, thereby erasing an important part of the economy that supports economic growth and stability. Property of citizens could be confiscated for the purported public good. Direct democracy could result in elective despotism. Liberty, especially economic liberty, is diminished. The pursuit of happiness is impeded. People want to consent to be governed in order to make them safe and to live their lives and prosper, including protection against crime and disorder. Vigilantes are helpful to deter crime in disordered cultures, such as currently exist in lawless Haiti. But crime prevention is a responsibility which should fall upon the government. What form of government would be wiser, quell the passions of the populace, and preserve justice and freedom for the long term? Well, James Madison wrote in Federalist Paper 10 that a republic will refine and enlarge the public views by passing them through the medium of a chosen body of citizens whose wisdom may best discern the true interest of their country and whose patriotism and love of justice will be least likely to sacrifice it to temporary or partial consideration. Boy, that doesn't describe pretty much anybody in power today does it i mean maybe at the local level you'll find some people who would fit that bill but at the federal level good luck so the passions of the populace would be reflected in the house but passed through the senate with longer terms who hopefully would have the wisdom to protect the nation separation in three equal branches of government would prevent aggregating power in one despotic branch the government would further be limited by the bill of rights so a republic is a sophisticated form of government that relies on the morality and decency of the populace. But here's the big question. Can this experiment persist? Today we're faced with a growing faction of progressives, a philosophy embraced by Presidents uh, Wilson, Taft, and Roosevelt. They believe that we should have a different government because times have changed and the Constitution is too restrictive on government. They suggest that today's leaders are less a danger to the governed since man has improved. Progressives want to redistribute wealth, change attitudes toward private property, 
regulate citizens in new ways, and intervene in private economic matters. Currently, we can see that the decency of the population has suffered a serious blow with the violence of Antifa and BLM and the promulgation of gender reassignment of children supported by some businesses and the federal government. The changing demographics in this country, resulting from unfettered entry into this country by failed cultures without shared values, may further undermine the aforementioned qualities required for a republic. The most recent loss for rationality is the passage of the debt limit, which is imprudent and will be an anchor on the prosperity of the country for decades. These ideas were passed through the chosen body of citizens, the Senate and the House, but these legislative bodies obviously did not have the wisdom to discern the true interests of their country. Legislative representatives have themselves become men who are ambitious, vindictive, and rapacious. Now we can change that. You cannot have liberty without adherence to justice, frugality, and virtue. And to have a free country... The populace must be relatively decent and share the higher moral values. Most Americans, and probably people in general, adhere to these simple ideas. The founders 234 years ago were uncanny in their wisdom, intelligence, and foresight when they initialed into the Bill of Rights the right to speak out. The unforeseen explosion of all media outlets in modern day is now available to all Americans. And we see the ballooning of ideas in all media that will assuredly preserve the public. Through modern, instantly generated news from media followed by instant analysis, people become aware of the issues facing the country. Freedom of speech and freedom of thought cannot be stopped. The citizens can intuitively recognize what is true and what is best for the nation. Now try as some progressives might to quell freedom of expression, most media are unencumbered by government interference. Each day as one watches television, smartphones, or some obscure blog, that would, that would be me, I guess, the, uh, the analysis of those issues, the conflicting ideas in those, in those analysis become clearer. We can judge for ourselves what is true, and one can see a growing presence and effective influence of traditional ideas appearing in the media. The citizen sees they have influence on the government by expressing these ideas and their vote. And this process cleanses and refreshes the mind. One can see the solid outcome, which is the preservation of the republic. We will survive and establish our republic as the longest-lasting form of government ever created. That's, again, Melvin Anderson writing. He's very optimistic. And And I wish that I shared his optimism. I believe the principles that he's espousing are absolutely correct. And I believe that if people... The general public, you know, starting with each individual, put more focus on being a decent person, we would see an absolute shift in this country in the right direction. So forgive me if I'm a little bit uh, pessimistic in this regard, but I just don't see that being a priority right now for a lot of people. Not because they're stupid, not because they're evil. I don't know, they're distracted, or in some cases they've been co-opted into believing that, uh, you know, well, this uh, it's more important that I punish my political opponents than, uh, than I hold to true principles. All right, the hard truth is we cannot control them. But you and I can control ourselves, and we can bolster our understanding, know who we are, know what we stand for, and if we are actively doing that, 
we do change the world around us. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome to the final segment of today's show. Excuse me, I'm going to share with you the article I had mentioned earlier by James Howard Kunstler. It's titled, We're Not Finished. Now, what he's talking about is the change that we are seeing happening around us. And and look, I, I'm somebody who has resisted change for a lot of my life. I don't like change. I like a comfortable, predictable routine where I know exactly what's going to happen, how I'm going to get from point A to point B with, uh, with predictable regularity. Yeah. But here we are. There's, there's a massive change that's taking place, and, and it's far from finished. So here's the lowdown, according to James Howard Kunstler. He starts with a quote from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. You give me a piece of ground and a sword, and I'm going to take back this country with your help and the help of all the homeless Democrats and Republicans who are Americans first. Now, Kunstler says, if you're wondering why our country is lost in lunatic raptures of lawless lawfare and futile maggery, It's because our economy has already collapsed and our culture and politics with it downstream have also collapsed into spectacular degeneracy. It has already happened. Maybe you don't know it. He says the business model is broken. We're a shadow of the industrial economy that won a great war and enjoyed a boisterous peace. But you can't replace ball-bearing factories with theme parks and hedge funds. Sorry, the full faith and credit of the USA is not embodied in those frivolities. So our money is losing its mojo fast. But get this, he says. We will go on. This is not the end of the world or the end of history. It is the end of an era. Believe it or not, the economy will fix itself. It just won't be what it was in 1957. It won't be what those techno-supremacists think either. You need a dependable electrical grid to run all those server farms and apps they serve, and the AI supposedly looming. It will fix itself because when things fail, as they're doing now, a lot of opportunities will open up to do things differently, even very differently. So when the chain stores fail, along with their 12,000-mile supply lines, Americans will figure out how to find stuff, make stuff, move stuff, and sell stuff at a smaller scale. Maybe back on your main street, if it's still there. There will be a lot less stuff of course, but he says it may be enough stuff, and some of you will be busy making stuff of some kind. Imagine an economy where practically everybody has a useful role to play. Do you know how much more important it is to lead a purposeful, active life than to be lost in leisure and anonymity with uh, more stuff than you know what to do with? Which is where we're at right now, even for those uh, who are statistically poor. He's right. When the happy motoring colossus tweaks out, we'll spend less time moving around and more time doing useful things, staying put around the places where we live. We'd be lucky if we could keep some railroads going, but the prospects are not great for that now. Sorry, we blew it. We should have restarted that project in 1970 when the handwriting was on the wall. We made a lot of bad choices. Cars and trains require elaborate networks of many interdependent technologies, all integrated smoothly at the giant scale. Oil, steel, plastics, electronics, all of that is disintegrating. 
By the way, did you see about the uh, the freeway collapse? Where was it? In, in uh, Was it Philadelphia? Can't remember. Anyway, uh, infrastructure is crumbling all around us. Just I'm not trying to bring bad news, just pointing out. Yeah, it is. It is disintegrating. James Howard Kunstler says pretty soon you can forget about airplanes, too. So that leaves what? Ah, yes, boats and horses. He goes, I know it sounds inconceivable, but he says, wait for it. When our grotesque medical racketeering matrix fails, doctors will practice medicine at smaller scale probably without advanced pharmaceuticals and techno-diagnostics. They'll open small local clinics while zombies squat in the broken mega-hospitals. You'll have to pay in cash, whatever form that comes in. You'll have to take care of yourself, too, but there will be a lot less enticing, engineered, toxic crap available to stuff into your body. Fruit Loops, Hot Pockets, and the food markets won't be all that super. There will certainly be less food altogether, but there will be fewer of us to feed. And more of that, fewer of us will be busy producing that food one way or another. Now, he says, that's the reality I see coming. And as you've seen vividly, the journey from where we were in, say, the year 2000 to where we were going has been psychologically disordering at the mass scale. These days, people who ought to know better express ideas that would have gotten them laughed out of the room in 1999. The catch is that few of you know that this mass disordering grew out of fear of the journey. It was a phenomenon of infectious mass anxiety over something dimly apprehended. You just thought it was about bad people. So he says, now you're faced with the question, how to avoid committing suicide directly or inadvertently, personally or as a whole society, slowly or quickly? And as corollary, how to get through the madness in the meantime? Politics happen when you, whether you pay attention to it or not. Politics is concerned with how a society navigates through history. And today, he says, it seems that either A, somebody is steering badly, B, nobody is steering, or C, some outside force has commandeered the ship's wheel and is steering for us. And any way you look at that, we need somebody to steer. So Kunstler says Mr. Trump has volunteered to try doing it again. The first time, forces in every quarter of American power set out to bushwhack, sandbag, harass, hector, and hound him. In the process, they just about destroyed the rule of law. Then they simply dis-elected him surreptitiously, something you're not supposed to say, but there it is, like so much meat on the table. Now they're trying to hoorah him into jail. Whatever you think of his uh, er, complex personality... You must admire his perseverance through adversity. If he somehow manages to wriggle through the present obstacle course of lawfare chicanery, his next term would be an extravaganza of retribution. The spectacle would provide much satisfaction, but in the end, it would just be a sideshow, and it's not the same thing as taking care of business. Joe Biden, of course, the man who is not really even there, is only pretending to run for re-election, or at least a cautery around the Oval Office is pretending for him while they try to figure out what to do. They're in an awful quandary. They hold all the levers of power. They have no other credible candidate, not a living soul, in their own official hatchery. Outside of that ghostly edifice, Robert F. Kennedy's making a a determined flanking move and end run near the sidelines. The Democratic Party, in all its florid and mendacious lunacy, is pretending not to notice him, especially their Praetorian news media that is the vector for America's mass mental illness. Mr. Kennedy put it so simply in April when he announced a run to preside over the stupendous mess that is 
our government. <laughs> he said his mission is an experiment to see what happens when you tell Americans the truth. And James Howard Kunstler says, hold that thought. How long has it been since you thought anything like that was possible? He says there's a broad-based assumption across the land derived from our fading prime art form, the movies, that Americans can't handle the truth. Like so much else in our national life that is probably erroneous, fake truth. And what's so striking in Mr. Kennedy's performance is the, so far at least, is the absence of fakery. It's more than refreshing, it's startling. Makes you blink a little bit. Makes you remember what it's like to not be lied to incessantly. Makes you want to see more of it because it gives you strength when you thought you were finished. But James Howard Kunstler says, get this now. Our world is changing, and deeply, but we're not finished. Now, I don't know if you take heart from what he's saying, or if that just, you know, threw a blanket of depression right over the top of you. But I do appreciate uh, his straightforwardness, and his willingness not to pull punches, or to try to sugarcoat it, and eh, see, it's really not that bad. I do agree with him that, you know, life is going to go on. And we're going to have to be resilient enough and flexible enough to adapt to, you know, the changes that are coming. Because I suspect that a lot of those changes are things we're, we wouldn't choose ourselves. But how we react is something that we have control over. In fact, uh, there, there is one other article that I'm going to uh, just, just note. This is from Brian Kaplan, and it's from actually a couple of years ago. 16 Tactics for Dealing with Life's Trials and Tribulations. Very, very solid advice. And since I think all of us, if you're not dealing with them now, you're going to deal with life's trials and tribulations. And, and they may have, you know, ties to current events or it may be something entirely unrelated that just, you know, happens to be your lot that, well, sorry, you know, this is, this is something you're going to have to deal with. But it's 16 very solid pieces of advice that uh, are worthy of your consideration. Who knows? We may we may discover something the Stoics knew, you know, before us. Got to think of a nice uh, family-friendly way to say this. Basically, crap happens. And it's not a matter of, well, you know, the life well-lived is the one that avoids all the crap. Basically, it's uh, being able to deal with what life deals you. Keep your sanity, keep your hope, and above all, keep your character and your integrity. This is... Is the Brian Hyde Show.